Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. We're going to praise the Lord. You know, in Matthew 21, it talks about that. Jesus getting ready to go into the town of Jerusalem. You know what he says? He says, I'm not going to let no rocks cry out in my place. In other words, the people came ready with expectancy to praise and to honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But obviously today is Palm Sunday. And if you have your notes, what is Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday is the celebration of the King of kings or the Lord of lords entrance. You see, listen, you say, what do you mean the king of kings or the Lord of lords? We serve the king of kings, the king that's above every king, the name that's above every name, and at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the king. He's not the lion king. He is the king, the king of of all kings. Amen? But also, it's your victory. Because of the king and him laying down his life for us, it gives us victory. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. And through what Christ has done for us, we have the victory. We have the victory over death because death has no sting over us because we have Christ that lives within us. And the Christ that lives within us is the one that we resurrected that we're going to celebrate next Sunday. And also his future. That Jesus knew that the moment he was going down that road, there was no turning back. There was no turning back to what was going to take place in his life. But Palm Sunday was the beginning of many entrances of Jesus. Jesus entered many different things. He not only entered into Jerusalem, but if you have your notes, here's the first thing. The results of the entrance of Jesus is this. He enters the city. You know what that was? It was the beginning of the prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. In other words, it was the beginning or the foretelling that this was going to take place in Zechariah 9.9 foretold the future. There's going to be a king riding on the donkey that will come into the world that will ride and take away our sins. He will come to set the captives free, and the captive is you and me. So it was prophesied or foretold of something that was going to to take place. Another thing, the results of the entrance is this. He enters into your heart. I don't know about you, but how many remember the moment when Jesus entered into your heart? When he entered into your heart, he entered into your heart by your invitation, by you giving him the invitation to come into your heart, Chris, and by saying, come into my life, God, he entered into your heart. And when he entered into your heart, guess what it does? The beginning of new life. He's taken your old life, and he's turned it around and gave you new life. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, I love what he says. He's a new creation. In other words, he makes you new. He makes you brand new. The old things have passed away. How many men are glad that your old past is behind you? I don't like my past. I like my future. The old things have passed away, and all things have become new. So in other words, God takes your old and replaces it with new. When you allow him to enter into your heart, he takes your heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. Why does Jesus come into your heart? Because your heart, out of the well spring of the heart, your mouth speaks. Out of the heart, what does the heart do? It makes everything function. It pumps from the heart. Blood runs from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. Why? From the heart. Therefore, he's enthroned on the heart of you today. In other words, he enters 
into your storms. That Jesus enters into your storms. I don't know about you, but when Jesus enters into your storms, what happens? It brings peace, the results of peace. John 14, verse 27, peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but as what I give. So when Jesus enters into your storms, he faces his face into the wind, and he says, enough is enough, and the storms become still. You see, that's why we can say the battles or the storms or the struggles or the hardships of our life, God, they're not ours, they're yours. In every battle that we face and we surrender to God, guess what happens? God takes those battles and he turns them around for you for victories. That's the thing that what God does for us. He gives us peace in the midst of our storms. Another one I love is this. Maybe you found this to be true. He enters into your lack. How many of you know that God loves it? He likes to break the back of lack. God loves to break the back of lack. I always say this. God owns a 1,000 cattle on a 1,000 hills. Guess what? He can butcher one of those cows for you. He says the gold and the silver is the Lord's. Guess what he can do? He can deposit that into your checking account. I had a young man, his name is John Edwards. John Edwards lives in Grand Junction, Colorado. And John Edwards was going through a season of his life of lack. And I'll never forget John Edwards was praying, God, I need you to bless me. God, I need, man, you to help me, Lord. You know my situation. I've been faithful. I've been tithing. I've been committed. I've been going to church, just like we all may feel like in our lives. How many know what I'm talking about? God, I've been faithful, but God, I'm not seeing it on your end. Well, John was going through that season in his life. He's been faithful. He's been counting his pennies and been giving it to God, all that he can do. And I'll never forget one day, this is a, no kidding, man, he came to church and he was smiling from ear to ear. And I mean to tell you, he was lit up like a Christmas tree. I'm not kidding you. You should have seen him. He was just smiling from ear to ear. And I said to him, I said, John, what are you so smiling about? What's going on? What's happening? He said, Pastor, Pastor, you're not going to believe it. He said, I didn't believe it myself until I found out it's true. I said, what are you talking about? He said, Pastor, I don't know where. I don't know how. I don't even know how they got the information. But I went to my banking account. Somebody put $10,000 in my checking account. Thank you, Jesus. Write a check for me. Amen. But he said, Pastor, I have no idea. He said, somebody put $10,000 in my checking account. God breaks the back of lack. God said he'll never let the righteous be forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. So in other words, God is in the business of supplying all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now here's where people get discouraged, that God enters into your lack. Now remember, God said, I'll grant you the desires of your heart. There's a difference between desires and wishes. There's a lot of things we wish about. I wish this, I wish that, I wish that. A lot of times it's just wishes. Whatever your desire is, a desire will come to the top, but a wish will fade away and be gone tomorrow. But a desire will grow and grow and grow, and it will fester and fester until you finally see it manifest. That's what God meets. What is the desire of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? Where are you sitting right now that God needs to come into that vacant spot and break the back of lack in your life? So he breaks the back of lack. But I love this. He enters into the world to take us home. I love it. From the beginning, he enters the city. He enters the city, and people celebrate, and they honor him, and they worship him. But then he's going to enter again into this world to what? To take us home. The rapture. That we're going to be caught up in the air. I don't know about you, but how many of you ever seen the movie The Flying Nun? Amen. 
There's going to be a lot of flying nuns around here. I'm going up. I'm going up with the Lord. I sometimes wonder, God, when you come to take us home, I'm going to go through the ceiling. Am I going to have shingles on my head? You know, I'm like, whoa, God, what's going on? But listen, when Jesus enters into events, into events in your life, into storms, situations, circumstances, those are events. You see, whatever you invite God into, God can turn your mess into a message. And whatever you invite him into, he can take your scars and turn them into stars. He can take your stumbling blocks and turn them into stepping stones. Whatever you invite him into your events, you see, watch what he says, into your life. Whenever you invite, you got to get that, invite. He's not a locksmith. He will never pick himself into your life. He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He's the Holy Spirit. He only comes in by invitation. And this world, now watch this, and this world, things change. In other words, God is in the business of changing things. I always say this, change isn't changed until it's changed. So in other words, you can't say it's changed until you see it's changed. And I know that I'm living proof that God has changed my life from the inside out, turned me around and made me do an about face. I once was lost, now I'm found. Why? Because God, when he comes into my life, when he comes into my circumstances or the events of life, he turns them around for his good. He turns them around for his good. Listen, when Jesus appears or enters there is a time of celebration and victory. How many know that's true? I know about you, but when I was living in Merrill, Wisconsin, and uh, how many remember when Pat Robinson, he was running for president, remember that? And Pat Robinson was running for president, and he came through Merrill, Wisconsin at one of the parades there in Merrill. And I mean to tell you, man, Man, everybody was excited. Merrill, Wisconsin at that time was a town of about 10,000 people down there by Wausau, Wisconsin. We were pastoring there as youth pastors. And I'll never forget, there was such a buzz in our community. I mean to tell you, man, there was such a buzz in the community. He's coming, he's coming. And wow, people were, and the streets were flooded because they had this parade that they were putting on for him. And, and I mean to tell you, when he came down in his motorcade car and they were celebrating, he had his window down, he was rolling his window down, waving out the window. People were doing what? They were cheering, yeah, yeah. And I mean, they were excited. They were going crazy. They were taking pictures. And then I remember when I was in Watertown, South Dakota, I was on the committee for the Billy Graham crusade. And I'll never forget when we were on the committee for Billy Graham crusade, I was all the big PR guy there in Watertown and did all the kind of things, got stuff in the movie theater and got the clips about Billy Graham coming and so on. But I have never met Billy Graham per se in person until we went to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where the revival was or the camp meeting was or the, or the crusade was. And I got to go into the back room there, and guess what? Guess who I got to see? And you know what? That whole room was filled with all these volunteers. And you know what, man? It was so crazy. We were packed in there like a bunch of sardines. But the moment he walked into the room, the whole place went, <gasps> there was such an awe that came over that place. I mean, people were like they wanted to get slain in the spirit. I mean, like people were just like, praise you, Jesus. They thought he was Jesus himself. But why is it that we can get excited about celebrities, but we can't get so excited about 
the one who transforms and changes our lives. You see, I always say to my sister-in-law, she is a crazy Viking fan. So Viking fans, if you're here, she's one of you. She's better, probably worse than you. I mean to tell you, she is crazy. She is nuts. She, she don't even go to the game, and all she does is watch them on TV. But she honestly thinks that they must be able to see her through the TV. I'm not exaggerating. She dresses up. She got her purple face on. She puts the little things on her things, on her cheeks, Vikings. She's got the horns, looks like the devil herself, amen. And she's got all the purple on. She looks like a purple people eater or Barney. I love you, you love me. We're a happy purple machine, right? But anyways, but she's purple. I mean to tell you, she got the beads. She looks like she's been at Mardi Gras. I mean to tell you, and she's a loud and proud Viking fan. Don't get my wife started, amen. Honey, Lord, touch my wife. She's getting her dandruff up, amen. The temperature's rising. But anyway, she's, she's a diehard Viking fan. Well, one night, they were playing Monday night football, and they were playing the Bears, true story. They were playing the Bears, the Bears, right? And they were playing the Bears, and her husband, Darrow, is a, man, great, crazed Bear fan. You know bears and Vikings don't mix. Either a Viking's going to conquer the bear or the bear's going to conquer the Viking, right? And I mean to tell you, on Monday Night Football, Vikings-Bear game, they're arch rivals. Now, you don't mess with Kathy. You just don't mess with Kathy, right? And I mean to tell you, they got into the game. They got going. And guess what happened? Daryl came out victorious. The bears won. The bears. I mean to tell you, Kathy was so mad, so upset, she made Daryl sleep on the couch. And when I heard that story, I said to her, I said, Kathy, how come you did that? She said, because he went against my Vikings. I said, Kathy, you don't even know the Vikings. They don't even know you. They have, you don't even know your name. All they care about is you buying the tickets so you can pay for them. They don't care. But they're my Vikings, and I'm going to die for them. And you know what? Sometimes we get so excited about external things, but what we need to really get excited about is what team we're on, and that team that we're on is the winning team. That's J-E-S-U-S. He's my Lord and King, J-E-S-U-S, my everything, right? Jesus. And here's what it says. Listen, when Jesus appears or enters in the time of celebration, we should celebrate. Celebrate. Jesus, celebrate. Do, 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 do. Remember that? You white folks don't know that. Amen. Amen. But in Matthew, Matthew 21, it talks there about the time of celebration where people came to celebrate and worship the King of Kings. You see, listen. Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the living word of God that's interpreted than any double-edged sword. The gospel is Jesus. So in other words, what Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed to lift my voice. I'm not ashamed to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I'm not ashamed to let people know who he is because I know what he's done in my life, and I know what he's done in my life, and I know what he can do in your life, and therefore I'm not going to be ashamed of who he is. So, so many times, look what happens. Here the people are, they're celebrating. 
They weren't worried about what people thought. And I want you to get this. So many times in our lives, we gauge, now get this, we gauge who we are by what people think about us, what people say about us, and even how we think of ourselves. But you know the fourth point is? It doesn't matter what people say about us, think about us, or what we think about ourselves. All that matters is what God thinks of you. And so many times we dress a certain way, we act a certain way. Why? Because we're so worried about what people think, say, or do about us that we conform. We conform to the peer pressures around us. And at this particular time in Matthew 21, they took off the scales, they took off the binders, they took off these things and said, listen, I'm going to get my praise on. I'm not going to worry about what he or she says. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get my praise on. So in Matthew 21, it says this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. So in other words, Jesus sent them out. How many of you know that we are his disciples? And Jesus sends us out to be his hands and his feet. He sends us out to have a purpose in life, and that purpose is to tell others about Jesus and do about the business of what he calls you to do. But then he goes on to say, if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Zechariah 9.9, that this will take place. There will be a king that will be riding on a donkey. So watch what he says. Say to the daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you. Your king. How many of you know we got a lot of queens in this place today? Your king is coming for his queen. He's coming for his bride. That's you and me. And he goes on to say this. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt. The foal of a donkey. Wow, check that out. I'm beautiful, donkey. Right? The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed the cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Now, watch this. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Palm Sunday, that's why they call it, palms. The crowd that went ahead of him and those followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, now watch this. The whole city was stirred, was excited, celebrating, exuberant, joy, expression, not sorrow or pain, but victory was in the house. Whenever, you got to get this, whenever we come on a Sunday or a Wednesday and we have special services, you know what you need to do? You need to come with a readiness, an expectancy that something is going to happen. Because when God shows up, God shows out. And when God shows out, he shows his strength, his power, and his might, and he desires to touch the people right where you're 
at. He said, listen, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Randy, he said, you shall be full. That you should come with a readiness that I'm coming to get my praise on. I'm not going to let no rock cry out in my place. I'm going to get mine because God said, those who cry out to him, he will answer those who cry out to him. You seek me, you will find. Knock, it shall be open. And ask, and it shall be given. God said, get your praise on. Come with expectancy. Come with a readiness to receive all that I have for you. I'll tell you, I, I love Sunday mornings because that's when I know that God wants to do something. He said this, when Jesus entered the city, the whole city stirred and asked, who is this? They said this, the crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. In other words, the prophet, the one that foretelling, when John the Baptist went out and said, I'm going to baptize someone whose sandals I am not worthy of, who foretold that there will be one greater than me. The one who came to set the captives free, the one who died for you and me, is what he's referring to. You see, listen, the entrance to the story, the, the entrance to this story, was the beginning of his death, beginning of his death, and our new life, and hope in him. You wonder why they were celebrating? Because we are going to find new life in Christ. The old things have passed away, and all things become new. I like it. They say in Chicago, or the weather in Chicago, my daughter lives in Illinois, and their slogan is, if you don't like the weather, don't worry, it'll change. It's a windy city. That's why they call it. Don't like it today, tomorrow will be different. You know what? Sometimes that's what happened with God. He'll blow into our lives, and he'll blow out the old and bring in the new. If you don't like it today, Make a change with him today, and he'll blow out the old and bring in the new. But I love this. He enters with a sign of love to us and a sign of no turning back. In other words, I'm committed to the task. Can you imagine? Just think about this. Those people to the right and to the left of him going down the road, they were cheering. But can you imagine? Some of those people persecuted him. Some of those people ridiculed him. And he probably could have looked to the right and saw this guy, man, you mocked me, you ridiculed me, this person, you spit on me, you did these things. He could have stopped and even pointed him out and said, listen, you're gone, you're gone, you're out, you're this. But Jesus chose to say, I love you regardless of what you've done to me. Can I ask you a question? The Bible says, don't you know that you are a temple of God and God's spirit lives in you? And then Jesus living in you, I want you to hear this now. Very vital that you hear this. In Jesus living in you, you are a reflection or a representation of Christ. Christian means Christ-like. Can I ask you, when you walk down your walk of pain, when you walk down your walk of shame, how many people have you rode off? How many people have you said, man, forget that person, forget that person. I can't forgive that person. I don't love that person. I don't accept that person. How many people down your road have you rode off? Just think if Jesus chose to walk down that road and maybe you were in that crowd and he said, I want him and her written off. 
You ever think about that? But when Jesus rode down that road on that donkey, he was full of love. You see, why love? Because love covers over a multitude of sin. And there's people in your life that in this journey in life, you're going to walk down this journey. You're going to walk down this road of shame and pain and hurt and scars and stars and all these things in your life. You're going to have to make a choice. Either I'm going to forgive or I'm going to not forgive. Always remember that Jesus forgave you and we need to forgive others. Right? Now watch this. I love this. This is so cool. The assurance that we have in Jesus, watch this. Here's the assurance. Jesus follows through with his words. I love that. Jesus follows through with his words. That's why he says in Isaiah 55, 11, his word does not return void. It will accomplish that which it said it will do, that God's word is truth. It's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It is what? It's God-breathed. It's anointed. It's God-breathed. God cannot go against his word. Otherwise, if he goes against his word, guess what? It makes him out to be a liar. And the Bible says that God cannot lie. And he cannot go against his word. In other words, that makes God to be a phony. And the God that we serve is not a phony. He's legit. He's authentic. And he's real. And he's truthful. That's our God. He cannot go against his word. But I love this. Not only can he not go against his word, but he can't go against the fulfillment of his promises. When God promises you something or promises you in the word of God, he can't go against his promise. Have you ever had anybody break a promise in your life? And they, I promise you I'm going to do this. I promise you I'm going to do that. And you got all this readiness, expectation. They don't follow through. They come back again. I promise you, I promise. They don't do it again. Eventually they're crying wolf and you're not responding anymore. It hurts when the promise is broken. How many know what I'm talking about? But God has given you a promise. And I want to rekindle something in you. I want to rekindle something in you. Maybe, just maybe, God has placed a promise in you that maybe you forgot about it, you've given up on it, or you lost hope in it. And maybe God wants to bring it back to surface. He wants to bring it back to life again. Just like the student that was cutting down trees for the Elijah to build the, 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 the school of prophets. And as he was building the, 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 the school of prophets, his axe head fell off. And it fell into the river. And you know what happened? Elijah said to the student, he said, where did you lose it? And the student took him to the place where he lost it. And you know what he did? Elijah picked up a stick and he threw it exact to the place where the axe head fell. The axe head began to float. Let me ask you something. Where did you lose your promise at? Maybe, just maybe. Do you know that that very stick that Elijah threw on that very spot was the very type of tree that Jesus hung on? Sometimes you need to apply the cross of Jesus back at the area of where you lost your victory, where you lost your promise, 
where you lost your hope. Go back to where you lost it. Apply the cross of Jesus to where it's at and expect your resurrected axe head to come back into your life. And that's when you're going to become effective again for the kingdom of God. See, like this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, and i got to move quickly. But as surely as God is faithful, Deuteronomy, he said, God is faithful. He'll new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. He says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. And so through him, the amen is spoken to the glory of God. That God, no matter how many promises God has spoken, they're always yes and amen. Get this now, get this. There are 6,000 stars in the eastern sky. And there are 6,000 promises in the word of God. Why did Daniel face his face into the eastern sky and open the windows and pray? It's because every time he prayed to the eastern sky, he focused on a star that represented a promise that, God, your promise is I'm focusing on you, the author and the perfecter of my faith. And, God, I'm focusing on my promise. God, your promise is yes and amen. And, God, may I not seen it come to pass, but, God, I know it will because your word won't return void. So I'm expecting and I'm waiting with anticipation to see you through to the promise. What has God promised you that maybe you've given up on? Maybe good health. Maybe a good relationship. Maybe a good job and it hasn't come together yet. God doesn't give up on his promises. Now let me give you something. I'm giving you something that comes out of me. This is something, Renee, that, that I now giving you my, my, my secret place. This is something, a, a nugget that I thrive in, Jeff. I thrive in this nugget, and I'm giving it to you today. Find a prob promise. Find a promise that fits your problem. God, I'm walking in pain. Find a promise that fits your problem. God, my cupboards are kind of bare. God, there's a spirit of anger that, I, that Lord, I got to get out of my life. God, I, I got fear in my life. What is your problem? Find the promise that fits your problem. Now watch this. And build your prayer around it. You want to know a pillar of your pastor? There it is. That when I'm going through a storm of life, which I do, I put my pants on, my shoes on the same way you do, but I found the nugget. I found the secret that when I'm going through a problem, I latch on to a promise. And when I latch on to that promise, that problem, that promise pulls me through the problem. You know, one of the promises that I love, and because he lives, I can face tomorrow. 
because he lives. Come on. All fear is gone because I know, I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Let me tell you something. That is the promise that pulls me through my promise, my problem, when I feel like I'm walking in fear. You see, listen, you think your pastor don't walk in fear sometimes, but I learned the secret. A turtle never sticks out his neck, never strives until he sticks out his neck. You don't think that, man, is sticking out our neck to buy this building, to do all the things that, man, I had to stick out my neck, I had to walk in faith. Man, let me tell you, that is all about faith. But when you get that in your knower, that God, I got this promise, promise over my problem. You're going to see me through. Somebody say amen. The significance of the donkey, and I need to move quickly, and I promise you I'm going to, I'm going to blow right through it. The donkey. The donkey was a sign of peace. The Roman soldiers rode horses for strength and power. A donkey, as we know it, is more rebellious and spunkier. But Jesus came riding on a donkey to show peace and hope. Mary, Jesus' mother, rode a donkey to the inn. Why? Because she was carrying the Prince of Peace. The significance of the donkey is that Jesus blessed it with a cross. Do you know that every donkey has a cross on it? Sometimes maybe that cross is covered up because of its fur, its mane, or dirt, or whatever. But every cross from shoulder to shoulder down the backbone has a cross. And sometimes in our lives, the pressures of this world, the pressures of life cover up the cross, the DNA that's in our lives. And it covers up who lives within us. And sometimes because of the pressures of life and the world and the decay and all the battles that we face in life, it covers up the cross. It is at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, where I laid my burdens down at Jesus' feet and found the victory. And the opposite of finding life is finding death. And who wants to bring death to your soul and to your spirit and cover up the cross of victory in your life? It's the enemy. He wants to kill, rob, and destroy and cover up the cross, the blood of Jesus in you to make you walk defeated and despair in your life. And God said, no, you may walk through the valleys of shadow of death, but you will fear no evil for the cross, the cross, the cross is with you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you for surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. There is no period or amen with God. Forever. I think I want to preach today. The crowd. I need to move on to the crowd. The crowd. In verse 8 of that chapter, a very large crowd. Cheryl and I, some time ago, we had the privilege of going to the Super Bowl 
in Dallas, Texas to see the Green Bay Packers defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Remember that? But I'll never forget when we were there, they would show on that massive jumbotron that was 80 yards long, two of them, one on each side facing this way, and then another that was 40 yards the other way, these massive jumbotrons. You couldn't really see the football players because they were so small. They looked like one of those, remember those football games that you can get those men and they had the little vibrating things and you put those little football players on and hopefully they'll score. That's what it looked like down on the field. So you're always watching the jumbotron. All my pictures from the Super Bowl are from that jumbotron. But periodically through the course of the game, they would show celebrities. They would show celebrities on the jumbotron and they would show, I remember Alex Rodriguez was there, J-Lo was there, Jennifer Lopez. The Black Eyed Peas were there. They were the hosts for the, for the Super Bowl entertainment. There was a lot of celebrities in the crowd. George Bush was there. President George Bush was there. And every time they would put somebody on the jumbotron, the celebrities, people would, ooh, and ah, and clap, and shout, and cheer. But you know, the crowd. I want you to think about this. In the crowd, maybe, just maybe, there was Lazarus. The one who raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus raised him from the dead. I did this in the first service too. The one Jesus raised from the dead. There you go, I got it right. But check this out. Maybe, just maybe, there was the woman at the well who Jesus forgave her of her sins and the whole town came back to be with her. Just think about that. Think about that. Or maybe, just maybe, the blind man was there seeing now with his own eyes the one Jesus healed. I heard about you, God. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. But God, now I can see you, Rick. I can see you. I can, I can, I can see you. Cliff, I, I, I can see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I, I can see can you imagine now who was blind who's now in the procession of Jesus? I can see. I don't just have to hear about it. I can see it. The victory. Maybe, just maybe, the 5,000 were there, the ones Jesus fed and gave hope to. He took care of our needs. We were hungry, 5,000 men without boys and girls and women. He fed us, and there was 12 baskets left over. And Man, he took care of our physical needs as well as our spiritual needs. So there was this time of celebration of gratitude. The moral of the story, they cheered now and jeered later.
Don't just celebrate Jesus when things are going well. It is a lifestyle, a daily commitment to serve him. Let me tell you something. If you base your relationships on feelings, your feelings will be here today and gone tomorrow. I love my wife. I love my kids to pieces, to life. But there are times I want to give them the right-hand side of fellowship. That's myself. My wife has got a mean cross. But my older son, when he was growing up, believe me you, he was my maverick. And I mean to tell you, there are times I wanted to give him the right-hand side of fellowship. I've always asked him two questions. Rick, do you want hospital or sudden death? And there were those times, believe me. There were those times. But if I went on my field at that time, my son would probably not be here today. If you build your relationships on feelings, it's on faith. It's on faith. Feelings will go away, but faith lasts forever. You once, you were once a zero, but he has made you into a hero, so celebrate today and every day. Let me encourage you. Make a choice. David says it so clearly. Today, this is the day. Eric, right? Is it Eric? No, Brian, Brian. Brian, this is the day. And I know yours, not, it starts with a B, Victoria. Got it. They just moved here to live in Webster, built a home. This is the day. Now get this. Walt, when the cow kicks and they don't want to cooperate, and the ground is still frozen and you're trying to plant, or the rain is not coming and it's too hot. When things start to scorch you in your life, Andrew, Andy, when things start to come at you and attack you and come against you, you have to remind yourself, this is the day the Lord has made. I will and I shall rejoice in it. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. So devil, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. I choose to rejoice. I close. The last, you don't have to go to Acts, okay? Hosanna, the recognition of the king. You have to recognize, realize, and prioritize. Recognize, realize, and prioritize your life with Christ. I recognize you. I realize that you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I prioritize my life. Did you get that? Recognize, realize, and prioritize your life with Christ. There is none greater, there is none better than Jesus. You see, Hosanna means save now or save us, we pray, and a cry of adoration and praise to God. That's what they were doing. Hosanna in the highest. I praise you. 
There is only one king, one God, who can forgive us of our sins and wrongs in our lives. That's Jesus. Today, we celebrate Jesus, the beginning of his death, and the renewal of new life in Christ. That's what it's all about. Palm Sunday should be an everyday holiday, an ongoing celebration, and a heart of thankfulness and gratitude to the Lord. Will you stand with me this morning? Our God is an awesome God. Our God, Chris, is an awesome God. I'm so proud of you. It was great to see your husband at men's group. Got a great man there. Man. Well, look at me. This morning, the king is here. But he's not just here to show up. He's here to do work. He's here to do business. And that business is in the business of transforming lives. So will you bow your heads with me this morning? He's in the business of transforming lives. He wants to celebrate with you. He wants to come in and renew you today. This morning we had 11 new people. 11 new people. I counted seven, but when it came up, man, they were still coming. 11 new people came forward in the first service. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, you say, Pastor, I want to accept Jesus into my heart. I want to give him my all. If that's you today, just lift your hand. Come on. If that's you, just say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to accept the Lord into my life. I want to give him my all. I want to celebrate with him knowing that if he comes to take me home, my bags are packed and I'm ready to go. I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this call. Anyone? One? Anyone today? Two? Three? Now let me pray over you. Father, thank you for today. For truly, this is the day. This is the day. This is the moment. This is the hour. This is the day. This is the season. And I shall and I will and I make a choice to rejoice and be glad in it. I pray that, God, that you would deposit into every individual's heart here today the joy unspeakable and full of glory, that the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8.10, will truly be their strength, that they will rise up on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint, that you will, Lord, inspire them and encourage them and challenge them to reach big things for you, to accomplish great things for you. And so I pray in Jesus' name that we be a church that's busy about the kingdom, the Lord touching hearts and lives, transforming them for your glory and for your honor. And as we approach the Resurrection Sunday, I pray that, God, we will do our part to invite, to bring someone that they can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And I pray that, God, you will truly resurrect in us right now. Bring us to a place of anticipation, the countdown till next Sunday as we get ready to celebrate you. Bless your church. Be with us today, I pray. For we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Now, come on. Let's end with a celebration. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. 
Thank you for your generous support. 